Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Works Christian Church, right here in beautiful Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos. Here, I will discuss theology, doctrine, politics, social and cultural issues, pretty much anything I feel like talking about. But basically, I flip tables. Please remember to download each episode. That's very important. Download each episode. Hold on tight. It's going to be a bumpy ride. This is going to be good. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, grandmas, grandpas, in-laws, outlaws, and anybody else that I may have missed. I apologize, but welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, another exciting episode. I have a phenomenal guest sitting across the table, staring at me in a menacing way, and I say menacing because I kind of drug her onto this podcast and almost forced her to. Oh, look at who just walked in, Mike Ross. So maybe we'll drag him over here and get a few words from Mike Ross in just a moment. Never! <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get you one way or another. But um, uh, um, I just want to introduce this young lady to your name. We call her, know her lovingly as just Cat. Cat with a K. Yes. So, Miss Cat, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and tell, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi people of the world. My name, well, my nickname is Cat. My name is Caitlin. Um, I'm a ministry teacher at Greater Works. I volunteer here at Butler's where we're speaking at. Um, I'm a freshman in college working in getting my associate's degree for film and television. So life's been an adventure. It's an adventure, definitely. Awesome. So when you graduate and you know what you're actually doing Mm -hmm. much more, you probably already know much more than I know, you can uh, help me do all these things and actually make it sound like I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Well, so far you're doing very well. Wow, I'm just hit and miss and trying and learning as I go. Um, As I said, ladies and gentlemen, she, this is a phenomenal young lady and I really, and I do mean that. Uh, A long time ago, I argued with God and I said, God, I really don't want to be in the ministry because we had already were just a little bit in the ministry, but God was calling me full time, and I didn't want to go do that because I didn't want to deal with uh, all the, uh, how should I say, the politics mostly in church world, church life, and deal with the ins and outs, the everyday issues and problems in life. So I thought I was going to get out of it, and I thought I really got, I caught God off guard. I said, listen, God, um, I don't want to do this because of, and I went through the whole litany of reasons why. And God told me a long time ago, it's one of those few times that God speaks so clearly that you can't mistake it. And he says, don't worry, I'll send you the best. And then I kind of shut it down because it was like, well, if he's going to send me the best, come on, I might as well do this, you know. And, uh, and here's one of the best sitting right across the table from me. If, if um, some of those, some of you who's going to listen to this, you know Kat. She is an, an awesome exceptional young lady my wife comes home it's kind of funny she comes home sometimes with a big goofy grin on her face and she says i just love cat and then she tells me this awesome story about something that cat has done so you are phenomenal and you are fantastic and hence that's why you're here thank you so you're in school you said a freshman 
Yes. Uh, and you're in school for television and, and, and what was it? Television? Film. Film. Film, television, all that. Well, I guess that's kind of the same thing. Anyways, that's excellent. And uh, Kat was one of the, I think you were, were you the first person that came yesterday and saw the mess? Yes. It was okay. me and one of the youth. Yeah. 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 So another volunteer here at Butler's Coffee. By the way, Butler's Coffee, world's greatest cup of coffee anywhere on the planet. If you don't, if you haven't tried it, <laughs> you have no idea what you're missing. So uh, if you didn't catch yesterday's podcast episode where I talked about the vandalism that was on the window. Now, I'm, I don't use that kind of language, so I'm not going to tell you exactly what they wrote, but a big old um, F-bomb, the PFC, Palmdale Freedom Coalition, uh, and they spray painted this on our window. Uh, real big and an anarchy sign on the other side and then they put these uh, four little uh, you know like eight eight and a half by eleven just sheets of paper handwritten this business <laughs> supports uh, fascists and then this business uh, supports transphobia and as I pointed out yesterday the comical thing about it was literally just maybe two feet from another sign that we had put up where it says we do not discriminate and gives a whole list of things and people uh, well, like race, gender, ethnicity, um, religion, even those who have had vaccines or not vaccines, those with the vaccine passport, without the vaccine, we don't discriminate. Just come in and enjoy a great cup of coffee. And, and then almost next to it, <laughs> this, this business supports transphobia. It's like, uh, did you not read? I mean, I know he was smart enough to write it, so I'm assuming he's smart enough to read what we stand for, at least in that area. But So that I thought was kind of comical. But here's Kat. She comes in. How old are you, Kat? I am 18. Okay, so she's 18, legally an adult, but still a young person, and she does not need this kind of stress in her life. But here it is. And um, I just, I'm just curious, what were your initial thoughts when you first drove up and you saw this mess up all over our windows? Well, at first I was very angered because I hadn't noticed it. I was driving with the youth and she pointed it out. We're walking up to the door and I was just angered, one, at the fact that they did this to this coffee shop for, I'm like, I think they're just such great people here. But it also angered me in the fact that I was with the youth, that it was two young ladies walking up to this, having to encounter this. Um, I don't believe that that should be exposed to us that we should be able to see that like it would it just angered me all around I kind of got like mama bear on the young lady that I was with I'm like I'm so sorry you had to see this like that's what angered me the most that we encountered this so so that brings up a good um a good point I think because you're 18 years old uh, you know I'm I'm um, well let's say a lot older than 18 56 <laughs> so when when I was younger uh it uh, swearing like what was scribbled up here mm -hmm. and swearing like we hear it in movies on even on television now and out uh, around us i hear people cussing at their kids yeah. you know little kids 3 4 years old using some of the worst language but when i was uh, your age uh, people that cursed and cussed they were really looked down upon at least in an open setting like that yeah you know, maybe among friends telling jokes or whatever, but it wasn't a cultural norm. Mm -hmm. It was really looked down on. And now it just seems like um, it's almost mainstream. It's almost normal. Yeah. I just caught a little video the other day that I, that I saw of a pastor, and, and, and the headline kind of captured my attention, so I wanted to hear it. And he was preaching away, and then a, you know, a swear word slips out of his mouth in the middle of his sermon. You know, 
And um, uh, it, it just, it, it, it bothered me, not just because of the swear word itself, but if it can so easily slip out of his mouth while he's preaching in a church, I'm just wondering, and maybe he's got a, he's cleaned up his language uh, pretty well, and it just was truly an accident. But I'm just curious and wondering, what does he talk like when he's not in the pulpit, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, It it just gets me. So I do apologize for that, uh, because you shouldn't have never had to see that at all, read that at all, hear that kind of language at all. But it's interesting that you, 18 years old, it bothered you that much, and I do appreciate that. So what do you think about where the present culture is today with just in just with the language? I mean, well, actually, so much of it bothers me, actually, like this um, happened yesterday. I was in a classroom, so I'm taking a screenwriting class and I was in the classroom. We're reading other people's um, screenplay so they can hear how it sounds, how um, it feels to them. And uh, the character that I was reading for, she had some curse words. And it was more than I thought, more than I'd seen previously before I volunteered to read her part. So I'm reading it, and every time a swear word would come up, I would change the word. I would either not say it, or I would say it um, in a cleaner version. And I noticed some people staring at me, but I'm like, hey, like I'm not going to um, fall to that. I'm not going to give up my morality just because of a class I have to take. And so I went up to my professor afterwards. I said, hey, like I don't want to ruin the integrity of this person's screenplay, but I also don't want to ruin myself, my integrity, my morals. Yeah. And he completely agreed. He's like, no, you're totally fine if somebody says something to you, know, like come to me or something. Um, he's like, no, you're totally fine. And it actually sparked up a conversation after class with another student because um, I walked out and he was holding open the door and he asked, he's like, hey, by any chance are you Christian? I said, well, very much yes, I am a Christian. And we just got into that conversation that we feel that there's just such a corruption in our culture and such a corruption in our youth. Like they feel like they have to do these dirty things to be cool, to fit in. They have to kind of like you've mentioned in previous podcasts, they have to dye, they, dye their hair, just be something completely unnatural of themselves to fit in or just to get the attention that they're seeking for. And it bugs me a lot, obviously. Like, I'm not going to conform to that, but it, it does bug me. And that's a mission I do have with this degree that I'm pursuing with film and television because it bugs me because I can't even watch a TV show without some type of sex scene or with some type of, um, I feel like, agenda that's being pushed. So that's my mission with this, that I want to go in and create good things. Not necessarily that it has to be a Christian thing, but just something clean that all people can enjoy, something that I can watch with my little siblings or with my grandparents. That's not going to... Um, just something that's not gonna ruin my something that's just maybe your integrity yeah, yeah. I just don't want to be corrupted in that way because I notice whenever I watch those things I just feel so disgusting afterwards even if it's just a little clip I just feel so gross like something just came upon me so and then it affects my mood for the rest of the day too yeah so. it's, it, it is amazing because I, I I agree with you that's why even Peelin and I by the way, Pelin is my wife. Pat stands for Pastor Linda. They call me A-Rob, Apostle Rob. But um, Pelin and I, we, we don't watch a ton of TV. We don't have cable or satellite or anything like that. We just watch through streaming things such as, uh, what, what do we have, Netflix or Hulu or something. But we watch it through, it's filtered through um, VidAngel. And VidAngel is one of those filtering that you can set it. Like if you want to cut out all the curse words, we do. Sex scenes, we do. You know, um, uh, we don't cut out all the violence except for the gratuitous violence. You know, people 
where they show chopping up with chainsaws and everything. And it's just like, we didn't need to see that. It's not like a fight scene. But anyway, so we watch it through there because of that same reason. So it's refreshing for somebody my age that grew up in a little bit different era. It's refreshing that you at 18 years old, you're just as bothered by it and um, will we'll, uh, not give in to it even in a classroom uh, and uh, read these scripts and such in such a way that you don't have to lower yourself to that, to, that <laughs> to that standard. And it is lowering. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't need a lot of brain cells in your head to be able to use swear words to get your point across. Uh, um, that's not intellectual. That's not, um, that doesn't show uh, any kind of real true intellect or learning abilities that's actually the exact opposite cursing and swearing is used to be used to be a sign of great ignorance and stupidity because people did not have in their in their language they didn't know words to be able to convey what they really felt so they would just go to the lowest common denominator and throw out a swear word and that's unfortunately but the lowest at least linguistically, the lowest among us has become the norm. Instead of people growing and, and learning and actually educating themselves on how to verbalize what they want to verbalize in an intellectual manner, they just lower themselves. So it's very refreshing. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, she's the best of the best of the best. And that's why it bothers her, because of what God's done in her and just her own quality and character. Yeah, and that kind of also reminds me because um, like I feel like when people swear to me, it just shows like a lack of maturity. Like you're just so emotional and you don't know how to process it. And I feel like there is, I do believe that there is such power in words. And even since um, graduating high school and starting college, I've noticed that there's such an impact that your vocabulary has on you. So I've, it's not easy, but I've started making an effort to add more to my vocabulary, not just so I can sound cool, but so I can understand what I'm saying, so I can understand what I'm feeling, so I can also communicate that to people, because I notice now, especially in college, you communicate to a lot of people, and if you don't have the right words or vocabulary to describe exactly what you're trying to say, it gets hard, and sometimes there's a lot of miscommunication with that. Yeah, and, and um, communication is key in ev absolutely everything. I mean, what is one of the biggest complaints in marriages? Uh, communication, or the lack thereof. And so, let's, let's break it down just to make it easy for absolutely everybody. Communication is where we put words together to form sentences to convey what we want to convey. And if you don't have a lot of, a great deal of words, many words that understand that can actually, using those particular words can express what you really want to say, then we go to the lowest point of language and start using swear words to try to make an impactful statement. And um, I, I, I know I, I, I talk a little bit about Jordan Peterson only because he's such a brilliant man, but it, I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes I have to stop and process what he's saying because he actually uses real, real words. I call them 50 cent words. Mm -hmm. But, but he, he knows how to communicate without all the swearing and really make a point and get his point across. But in a, when we live in a culture and a world that, you know, those types of people are like one in a hundred. Uh, then when somebody does come along like Jordan Peterson, I think this is one reason why a lot of people don't like him. is simply because he could make a lot of people feel dumb. 
just by listening to him, I was like, I don't even know what he's saying. I don't even know what that word means. So we feel dumb, so we tune him out, turn him off, and go turn on somebody else who's going to throw out the F-bombs because we at least understand that. But instead of changing that, why not? Now, I'm not just using him. You don't have to like him, but just that type of thing. Why do you think, Kat, it, there's so many in our society uh, and culture, and it's not even, I can't even just say it's a young people thing. I hear people my age suddenly giving up the yeah. ability to really speak well to use swear words, curse words, and things of that nature. Why do you think that is? Why do people, why do you think people go to that lowest place? I think it's also a comfort thing because that means you don't have to get out of your comfort zone to learn another word. You don't have to push yourself to know more things because I noticed as soon as I started learning more words, um, just broadening my vocabulary, my language, I'm like, wow, there's so much more understanding there. Of course, it took an effort, um, big or not, but I feel like it's just a comfort thing for people because they also don't have to, it just makes it easier on them to just speak the little words that they have. It makes it easier on them that they don't have to get up and learn new things. They just get to stay where they are. And then it's also an emotional thing because comfort is an emotion. So you just stay there, you're comfortable. And then you're just also, I feel like when people do it, like they're just yelling at other people, they get louder, they curse because they're just emotional. And there's an explanation I had. But um, so again, I just feel like a lot of it goes back to comfort and then they're just there in their comfort circle and then they get angry at other people when they can't understand or when they're asking questions because now that's asking them to do something, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what I also am kind of hearing in that as well is, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's kind of a comfort. They're familiar with it. It's comfortable. And unfortunately, the, the, the word that I'm thinking of well, as well as lazy. Yeah. Just flat lazy. Too lazy to pick up a dictionary to learn some new words. Mm-hmm. Or there used to be, again, this probably goes back 25 years or more, 25, 30 years. There used to be this uh, group that you could buy materials from. Um, usually at that time there were still cassette tapes. So, you know, uh, vi- audio, should, where they're basically teaching new words and how to use them to expand your vocabulary and especially business people were would do that because in the business realm those who can communicate well and get their point across and um, keep their cool um, those were the ones that got the jobs those are the ones that made the money mm-hmm. you, I mean imagine if you will you're in a boardroom of a multi-billion dollar company multi-million multi-billion dollar company there's 20 people in this boardroom everybody in that room is really wealthy because of what they do in that particular corporation or whatever. And imagine you have the chance to go in there with 20 multi-millionaires at a multi-billion dollar corporation and you're going to try to sell them on something, maybe something that you have or design, create, whatever. You know, like television, film. Maybe you come up with an idea that they can hire you to do some video or, you know, it could be anything, training, marketing, whatever. And you, but you have to sell yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to go in there and sell you because it's not just the product you're selling. It's you, the creator of that product. Imagine going in there with these guys who built their wealth and this company on at least some level of intelligent conversation. I'm not saying they don't swear. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they don't tell dirty jokes. It's not what I'm saying. But in the business realm, you're not going to find that swearing on a document, on a contract, or when you're in, in uh, a room such as that because you're talking business. So there you're brought in there. I, I'm trying to picture in my mind just even briefly, 
you going in there and then lowering yourself in that setting. Yeah, I got the best blanking video production out on the market. You know, you, you, you blanks need my blanking work. And hey, what do you say? I mean, I, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, yes. can you even, what do you think would happen if you went in there with that kind of language and that kind of attitude? Well, honestly, like, I could imagine them to feel very disrespected because even they acknowledge um, they don't use that language there in the office because they acknowledge there's a sense of maturity there. There's a sense of respect in that building in that conversation. You need to have those things. There's um, a certain environment there. Of course, like they might do that in personal conversations at home, but they acknowledge that there's a level of maturity. And again, I just can't stop saying it, but a sense of respect there in that um, in that area. So if I go in there, I, if I was a business person, I would say that as disrespectful, I would see that as immature, that you have lack of communication and that yeah. you're just very restricted to that. Yeah, so the quality of the person, like for instance, I, I, I'm using you because of what you're doing and I'm trying to create that little, you know, mental image. So the quality of the person, in that case you, would determine the quality of the work that is produced, that you're trying to sell them on. So if you can't even communicate right, or I couldn't communicate right, or the next guy couldn't communicate right, how are we gonna convince a multimillionaire mm -hmm. that we have what it takes to help them make even more money or, or expand their business if we can't even expand our own vocabulary yeah to stop using that kind of language. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just don't understand this. They understand that street language is, or they think this the street, oh, I call it street language, street language is just acceptable and should be acceptable everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I will tell you this one story. And it, I, I remember this because, again, in my era, we never used that kind of language. My mom and dad, my mom especially, it's funny. I got two stories now because mm -hmm. it triggered something else. If I used that kind of language and I'm not I mean you know I was a kid dumb kid sometimes something would slip out and we would always get threatened with having our mouth washed out with soap and I never you know she's never gonna put soap in my, our mouths no way and I remember I got the soap in the mouth one time and the thing about the soap in the mouth not only does it taste horrible when it's in your mouth it doesn't go away for a long it just lingers it's like an hour later you're I can't get rid of this but then she read somewhere, ladies and gentlemen, hey, if you're like, Cap probably, I don't know if you can relate to this. Well, maybe because of the culture and everything that you guys, but she read somewhere not to ever put soap in your kid's mouth because it can be toxic. So we were getting poisoned basically what we were. But if you're going to do that, I can't believe the era, um, use um, like white vinegar. It's not going to hurt mm. you, but it's still just as nasty as flavor, like a big old scoop of white vinegar. Put mm. this in your mouth, you know. So my mom, like, was happy. Oh, I could still put <laughs> this nasty stuff in her mouth, and I'm not going to kill him and go to jail. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> different era, different time. So we got the white vinegar. And that was for saying things like stupid. Mm -hmm. Oh, she hated that word. That's stupid. And uh, other words that weren't necessarily as bad as an F-bomb, but still probably as kids we shouldn't have said it. But it just, it's just the whole culture has changed. I was on the platform. I was asked, this is another church, not our church, ladies and gentlemen, because we don't do this. I was asked to help with the baptisms at a church. I just happened to be at this church. Um, it was a Sunday afternoon. I went to go visit a church of a friend. 
and they were having baptisms. And I was asked, hey, would you mind coming up here and just help with the baptism? I said, sure, I'll do, I'll do that. That's fine. You know, fine. And it was the um, churches that have the baptismal in the very back of the uh, platform. You know, mm-hmm. they used to make them like that all the time. So as I was walking across the platform with two other ministers, I was in between them, and they were talking to one another, but kind of through me, if you, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and it was a big platform. It was about 30 feet deep or maybe more. So we're just strolling real slowly. And one of them, I don't even know what the one said to trigger the other guy. And these are both pastors of this church. And so she said something, and then he stopped and looked at her, you know, big eyes. He says, get the Mm -hmm. F-bomb out of here. Really? And I stopped. I'm like, number one, Christians should not be talking it that way. Number two, certainly not pastors of a church. Third, certainly 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 not on the actual platform in a church going to do some holy baptisms with people i was so stunned and so shocked and i was expecting i stopped and i was waiting for him to apologize and make it right and 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 all that nothing they just went on with their casual conversation like it was nothing like nothing even happened it blew my mind and it still does today so it's even creeping into the church where a lot of christians and pastors don't think about it and a lot of people say well it's just words but words mean something Mm -hmm. and words not just mean something in and of the word itself but it tells you a lot about the person using those words Mm -hmm. i mean so my hat goes off to you that 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 it bothers you that much that you won't lower yourself to even read those words when you're reading somebody else's script in class because you're you're like i said you're 18 years old you're 10 times better than even many pastors out there so Anyway, let's get back to what they wrote on here. Not so much the words that they used, but if, if, imagine the gentleman, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, we know it was a gentleman. Well, maybe not a gentleman, because gentleman would mean that he had some uh, morals and ethics. So a, a male, I'll leave it at that, a male. Imagine that the guy was sitting right here across the table from you and would actually shut up long enough to listen to you. What would you have to say to this gentleman? Honestly, I mean, there's much I would have to say, but I would more... Just remember, watch your language. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would ask him questions like, what led up to this? What ticked you off to do this? And everything, there's so much to laugh about it and so much to be angry about it. But I'm like, what makes you think that the people here at Butler's or PFC are transphobic? that they support fascists, like what did you get from them? Because so many people attack Butler's and PFC, and you can come into Butler's, you can go to the people of PFC and have a conversation with them and explain things, um, just have a conversation and understand um, whatever you're thinking to prove it right, to prove it wrong. I would just ask them like, what made you do that? Because to me, that's such an emotional thing, that's such an immature thing to do. Like, why didn't you just come up to somebody face to face and have that conversation to understand them or have them understand you? That I totally agree with because one of the things that I've been talking about on on many of my, not all of them, but many of my podcasts is this concept that is being thrown at us constantly about toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I've been coming against it because, you know, I I don't know if you, I know you heard my podcast because you listen to it every day, 10 times a day, probably go to sleep with it. It's that good. But anyways, that's another thing. But um, there's, to me, there's no really such thing just to use that toxic masculinity. There's no such thing. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. Because men that are truly masculine, true masculine men, mm-hmm. um, 
they are strong, of course, but they do not use their masculinity in a toxic manner. The moment they do, they're no longer truly masculine. Mm -hmm. So the concept of toxic masculinity. So I call what this guy did and people like him uh, toxic cowardice. Yeah. Because a real man, a real man, a true masculine man would do just like you described. Hey, um, this is what I heard. Uh, what do you guys say? I want to. I want to get it firsthand. I want to, as we used to say, out of the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> I want to talk to you about it. You know, what's going on here? What do you guys believe? What about this? What about that? What about? And they would get the. They would get the scoop. They would. They would understand. And and, and I'm not saying they would have to agree with us, but at least they would have an understanding and be able to. Uh, hopefully in that setting, um, articulate what they believe and why they believe it and have a debate, have a discussion. That's what real men do. Mm -hmm. Or they walk away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, now when I say walk away, there's some things that are just truly destructive out there. You know, if, um, if I see a man beating up on a woman, I'm not going to say none of my business and walk away. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump in and make it my business because that's destructive. That's destructive. Mm-hmm. You know, if I see somebody beating their child, I'm going to step in. That's destructive. But if I see a group of people that maybe politically or ideologically don't agree with me meeting in a private residence or a private business, and I know that they're talking about things that I don't agree with politically, well, that's not destructive. I'm going to walk away. Or I'm going to go in and have a conversation. The last thing that's going to run through my mind is I'm going to spray paint big F word, you know, and, and, and certainly not an anarchy sign, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I, I would maybe tag it like, Hey, you know, Jesus loves you anyway, <laughs> even though you're stupid. <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, just having fun with it. But, uh, I wouldn't even do that because as a, someone that I like to think that I'm a man, I'm not going to lower myself to that. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like the language. It's not just the language thing, but the language really shows where people like that, their mentality is going. Their, mm-hmm. their whole life seems to be going to the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. Instead of raising themselves up, they lower themselves to where they feel like that's acceptable behavior. Yeah. I mean, would you, what do you think about that? And it also bugs me because I feel like true men or anybody who has leadership skills or anybody who has like common sense would know that if there's a problem why don't you go in and fix it why don't you go in and have that conversation leaving that sign up one it just it was very disturbing but two it did not solve any problem that you felt was there right it did absolutely nothing but cost some people some like thirty dollars just to scrape it off and some time like it solved no problem that you felt was there right it did nothing but take your time away take other people's time away and you made no real impact on any problem or any situation on that level yeah, uh, and see, that's the other thing. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. It did not. We didn't pull up and look at that when I said, okay, you guys don't touch it and mm-hmm. just in case the uh, sheriff deputy wants to do whatever they need to do. We have to leave it up there for just a few minutes. But when I pulled up and I saw it, not even for a split second, not even for, I mean, didn't, the thought didn't even go in my mind, oh, man, maybe I should change everything about who I am, how we do it, what we do, who we allow in here, who we don't allow in here. Uh, we're just going to change everything. Not even for a As a matter of fact, what it did is it helped reinforce what I believe. Mm-hmm. Because I know this, when you, when you trigger weak people on that level, just by saying what you, what you believe and believing what you believe and living out what you believe, and it triggers people at that level, what it tells me is we're doing something right, not something mm-hmm. wrong, mm-hmm. because of the reaction. 
Because if we were doing something wrong, the good people, okay, the people that are in the right, they come and talk. They come and sit down at the table. They come and debate. They come with actual real-world facts and figures, and they try to educate. And that's what we're doing. So the wrong people, the people on the wrong side of and this goes pretty much any issue, they pick up spray cans and start spray painting things. Mm-hmm. They start <laughs> calling people fascists. <laughs> and you looked it up. I, I went and looked it up in the dictionary just mm-hmm. to make sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I, I think I know what this means, but I'm going to look it up just to make sure I know what it means. And I knew what it means, but... Uh, but I even spoke about it yesterday on the podcast, and it's completely opposite of who we are and what Very we believe. We Such want opposite. government out of our lives. We want them out of our pockets. We mm-hmm. don't want them telling us what to do, and fascism is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the guy called us fascists just shows <coughs> the level of ignorance that's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, And I know he's not just the only one. He represents a whole group of people. You know, um, And then calling us transphobia again, it's like, you don't really know us personally, you know? Exactly. I, and I'll go on record. I, I'll go on record. I'm not speaking for Kat. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking for me, A-Rob. I disagree with the whole um, transgenderism. I, I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I consider it a mental in- illness. Mm-hmm. But that being said, if transgenders come in here right now and wanted to have some coffee, pastry, whatever, great. Have a seat. Enjoy your coffee. Good to see you. Yeah, and actually there's actually quite a few people that I go to school with and a lot of people are transitioning or they're transgender and I still have conversations with these people. I'm not going to be religious and shove it down your throat because one, that's not going to register well with you. Two, that's not actual evangelism or ministry. But three, like, I'm just going to have a conversation with you. If you want to talk about it, bring it up. Okay, we'll talk about it. We'll ask ask questions. I'm not going to say, no, you're wrong. Like, I'm not going to throw that down your throat because that's not how you're going to retain the knowledge or retain anything that I'm trying to say to you. But, like, I'm not going to be against you. Like, no, you have to get out of here. You can't be in my presence. Like, you're just going to, you're going to, like, make me all filthy and dirty. Like, no, you're a person. I still love you. I don't agree with what you're doing, but I'm not going to shame you for that. Right. Right, exactly, and this is the way I feel about it. I disagree with it, but it's it, it, the same way I disagree with somebody in adultery. Mm-hmm. If an adulterer came through the door and wanted to have a cup of coffee and sit down, it, it, you know, it's like I'm totally against that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in that at all. But this is a coffee shop. You know, this is a coffee shop. This is this is um, where we come and, and enjoy coffee and yeah. pastries and iced teas and the occasional ice cream mm-hmm. and conversation and laughter and 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 it's it's a community place where people come and hang out and talk it's not a place to come and get judged on, <laughs> on your lifestyle it's like you know if a man's in a dress have some coffee if a guy's over there trying to you know and trust me i would i would probably have more words for the adulterer than i even would with the transgender person um but but nonetheless the point is this is not what we're about just mm-hmm. kicking people out you know there's nobody at the door well wait a minute i'm gonna hear all the time does christian ever stand at the door to ask <laughs> people their their lifestyle status or their sins before they come in Never. we we don't have that do we no. i had just had to make sure because i don't know what's going on when i'm not here you know stand there with the clipboard like um, um let's check all the boxes are you in adultery no okay great are you in fornication no great are you transgender no great okay you can come in enjoy a cup, a cup of coffee 
That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And yet that's almost, maybe not quite that ridiculous, but that's almost the picture that some people try to paint that we do. Mm -hmm. Either at PFC, Palmdale Freedom Coalition, or with Butler's Coffee, or even the church. Mm -hmm. We've had the same thing at the church. You you kick homosexuals out. We never kicked anybody out. Well, Mm -hmm. for their homosexuality, we've never done that. (laughs) (laughs) But it also makes me laugh because PFC is such a diverse group. Like there's so many races, ethnicities, religions, beliefs, but everybody has that same um, understanding of what is right, what is Mm -hmm. wrong on a general basis, especially when it comes to politics, local or state or federal. Like everybody has that understanding and they don't shame each other for not believing the exact same thing. They say, well, I believe different. If you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. But everybody still works together and it's so cohesive. Yeah, and that's the thing that I really do appreciate about the Palmdale Freedom Coalition is that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's just a bunch of old white conservatives meeting. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's the exact it's opposite. Not. It's the exact <laughs> opposite. As a matter of fact, um, it's so opposite of that that it, it, even still today, at, at, how long has this been going? This has been going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But even today, I still look at the group and I go, how in God's name did this, this you know, uh, they would call it Motley Crue. It's not a, there is a rock band, but Motley Crue. How did all of these different cultures, people, ages, races, uh, even political ideologies all meet together and, and work together? Because we, we find those things. We clearly define what we are working on, and then we rally around that. We don't rally around anybody's pet project. Mm-hmm. We rally around something that's, that's going to affect absolutely each and every one of us, and regardless of who you are, Regardless of your race, uh, race, your age, your gender, anything, sexual orientation, it affects us all. And that's what we're after. And that's what makes PFC so phenomenal. And it's, again, people who come against it don't even understand what it's about. Oh, you're a bunch of, what were we called, racists? When pretty much almost every race, at least locally, is represented here. Um, oh, you're a bunch of homophobes, even though we have homosexuals that come. Oh, you're transgender. Now, granted, I haven't seen any, any men in dresses, but um, no, we're, we're not. Uh, um, a bunch of just old white guys, a bunch of old conservatives. No, we're not, you know, uh, we're not. And we get falsely labeled. And here, again, where, where, where are your roots from? So I come from a Mexican and Salvadorian families. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, and you're 18. Yes. 18-year-old female, Mexican, Salvadorian. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, and she's here at PFC quite often, sometimes working, but nonetheless quite often. And she's been part of our church and part of Butler's for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Right? So here I am, an old white guy. I fit that stereotype really well. She certainly certainly doesn't. 18-year-old female, um, and just using that because I hear this thrown out a lot, brown girl, yes. Mexican, uh, Salvadorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she is much browner than I am. I've got yeah. this, like, it's not, it, it was sunny one day, and I'm already red from getting too much sun. <laughs> so how is it that we can come together? I'm old enough to be certainly a father, mm-hmm. not your grandfather, maybe mm-hmm. your well, I'm probably old enough to be your grandfather in some cases, but nonetheless. So how is it that we can see eye to eye on so much? Maybe not everything. I know if we got down to nitty gritty, we're not going to agree on everything, and that's okay. But how is it that you and I can, can see eye to eye on so many things? 
that's going on in our culture, in our world and such, PLC, whatever it is. And yet people can't understand. How is that, I mean, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. So honestly, I would say, obviously, because we both believe scripture, we both read our word and we um, incorporate that into our lives. So we just have that basis. And it's not even so much, like whenever I tell people, especially in my generation, that I'm a Christian, I believe the Bible, they're like, oh, well, isn't that so restrictive? Doesn't that hold you out from so much thing, from so many things in life? I'm like, well, no, actually. It actually brought me to so many more opportunities. It brought me to more people, to more perspectives of life. I'm like, at first, of course, when I first came, it's because I grew up in the church and I wasn't, because it was very religious. But until recently, when I started, um, what's the word? When I started pursuing Jesus, an actual church, that's where I found so many more opportunities, so much more freedom, so many more things that I could do. I just found, so I found great people. I found great community. I found more things about myself than I ever thought. I'm like, wow, like this is the person I am. This is what I believe in. And it's just crazy the impact that it has on it. And even to be able to have um, a similar foundation that I can connect to A-Rob with, that I can have these conversations with and understand and even correct myself if I need to. So. And that's a great perspective. So let me ask you something. Um, you know, um, how can I ask this? Because I don't want it to sound baiting in every way, but in any way or put words in your mouth. But would you say, and if, you know, if you say no, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me or see where I'm going with it at all. But would you agree that just when you, when you come to Christ, read his word and start applying his word, the word of God. Would you say that that's brought more liberty in your life, more freedom, or is it, or has it been like what somebody said, more restrictive, like suddenly you feel like you're boxed in and you can't do anything? It's just felt like this huge open door. As soon as I took it, I took it very literal. Um, I don't remember quite the beginning of my journey, but I just remember as soon as I started applying scripture, applying God's word for what he said, that's when so many things changed. I used to be um, I used to be depressed. I had anxiety. I would harm myself in very many ways and plot ways to end my life. But as soon as I started taking God for his word, that all changed. I started replacing whatever my lies were with his truth. And I'm like, wow, this actually fits. This works. The, it makes sense what he's saying. It's actually true. It's producing good fruit in my life. It's not making me or it's not making my situation worse. It's actually helping me to bring me to those better places, those higher places. Very good. So, uh, so um, it, in a way, it sounds to me like uh, coming to Christ and just living out his word, just doing what he says, reading the Bible, finding out what the Bible says and living it out and, and finding out who you are and everything. It was sort of restrictive, but it sounds to me like it restricted you f from suicidal tendencies. Mm -hmm. It restricted you from depression. Mm -hmm. It restricted you from oppression. Mm -hmm. It restricted you from a lot, maybe not 100%, but a lot of the negativity that's out in our world right now. So mm -hmm. I guess in that way it is sort of restrictive. When you look at it like that, yeah. Yeah, but it, it cuts you off and it closes the door to the negative things that destroys life mm -hmm. and opens you up to things that gives life. Mm -hmm. So I... I and the reason I'm saying this is because I remember way back when when I rededicated my life, I was uh, just a little older than you are, and it was difficult because I, I had to get to that point where I had to cut off all my friends and everything. We were talking about that a little while ago before we started doing this, and um, because they all wanted a party, and I knew I could. So there was things that I knew that living out this walk with Christ was going to restrict me from. Okay, and, and here it is. A lot of people say, it's going to restrict you from fun. You're not going to be able to go and party. It's like, no, not really. I just had to change how I did it. But nonetheless, 
what it restricted me from was having hangovers, mm -hmm. having DUIs, having um, illnesses and sicknesses that were related to that type of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It re restricted me from failed and broken relationships mm -hmm. because of that type of lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> but what it opened me up to was like you said, everything else that mm -hmm. brought life into my, you know, yeah. I could be trusted now because I wasn't a drunk. I could mm -hmm. be trusted now because I wasn't doing drugs. I could be trusted now because I wasn't having these, um, these super highs and super lows in my life that would ruin relationships. Mm -hmm. Now my relationships are stronger. Yes. Uh, when I went out and looked for a job, I got better jobs because they realized they can trust me because I wasn't a drunk, I wasn't an alcoholic, I wasn't this or that. So, yeah, it can be restrictive, I guess, but it restricts you from all the things that would destroy your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I feel like when people say restriction, I actually feel like it gives guidance. I feel like those are kind of similar intertwined words, but it gives you guidance of where, and the Bible, it tells you, it's like, you can take the other route, you can take whichever route you want. There's so many to take, but know what's going to be at the end of each one. So, honestly, like the word, it feels, people say it's restrictive, but actually it just guides you. It guides you to know what's wrong, to know what's right, to know where you're going to end up from these actions or from these thoughts or these words. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, uh, even in the Bible, we, we have this, we, we, we call the Old Testament the law. And that's one way of translating the word Torah. It's actually Torah in the Hebrew, and we translate it law. But what it, the better translation of the word Torah is instruction. Mm -hmm. So the whole, you know, at least focusing on the Old Testament, what we normally call law, that people try to make a, a negative, mm -hmm. it's a book of instruction on how to live your life. Mm -hmm. You know, this is one reason, what, ladies and gentlemen, and not for religious reasons, um, but just because I've, I've come to terms with this in life, that if the Bible says it, it's true whether I um, understand it or not. It just is. God always has his best interest in my life. So in the Old Testament, under the law, you weren't allowed to eat things like pork, shellfish, things of that nature. It was called unclean. And then, of course, Jesus comes along and says, basically, that has nothing to do with your salvation because it's all in Jesus. Salvation. But we're not supposed to live just in the entry door of salvation. We're supposed to grow beyond that, mm -hmm. which caused me at one point in my life to take a d another look at that and go realize, well, God put that in his word for a reason. And there's no, quote unquote, spiritual reason why you should or should not eat these things. So maybe God just put it in there because he knew that these types of foods were just not healthy for his people. Mm -hmm. And then I started studying it and realizing it, you know, God was onto something. Maybe he knew what he was talking about. Eating pork, just ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, I'm not saying you're going to hell if you eat pork. It has nothing to do with it. I'm not saying God doesn't love you if you eat pork, shellfish, crab, whatever. But I started cutting those things out of my life, just mainly just because I realized, you know, God put that in there in his word for a reason. God created us. He must know what's best for us. I know if I go eat a ham sandwich, my relationship with him is not deterred, harmed, hurt in any way. But I don't want my physical body to be harmed, hurt, or anything like that in any way either. So I cut that stuff out. Yeah. Yes, there was biblical reasons for it, but not salvation reasons for it, because I know that's in, the, in Jesus only. So when you're telling me these things about just putting the Bible together or putting it into practice, walking it out, and it liberates you. And it, I mean, I get, like I said, we've talked about it. Yes, there are some restrictions, but the restrictions are all things that would lead to your destruction. Mm -hmm. So who cares? Yeah. You know, um, let me put it this way. If the, if the bridge is washed out up ahead 
And if I just keep going the way I'm going, I'm going to fly off that, that broken bridge down into a canyon and die. I would hope somebody would restrict my driving on it and put a sign or something or something in the way so I don't kill myself. Mm-hmm. That's a restriction, but it's for, you know, it's for our own good, our own life. Uh-huh. You know, I like the detours that keep me alive. Yes, <laughs> very much. I know we were kind of talking about that earlier, more specific to relationships and friendships. Um, that some things happen, sometimes it, kind of, it might take a little longer for something, sometimes you might have to be alone, you might have to take the high road, but ultimately it's just gonna lead to better things, to a safer life, a longer life, a, a life that's bigger than you, if that makes sense. I think yeah. that's the words I wanna say for that. Absolutely, that's why when you were talking about, you know, like the Bible talking about, if you go this way, you can get this, if you go that way, there's actually a passage in, uh, I believe it's the book of Deuteronomy, that says that if you choose these things, and God gives all these all these good things that you can choose, it leads to benef- uh, health, leads to life, leads to blessing. But on the other end, if you choose these things, it leads to death, it leads to destruction, and all that. And he just puts it out there. And that's what I, one of the things I love about God is he's not controlling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people make God out to be this big, mean, controlling dude in the sky. Well, if he was, then why is there so much nonsense going on in the world? Exactly. He just tells you the truth and then says, it's up to you. You choose. But if you go this way, you're going to go to life. You're going to go to blessing. You're going you're to have an awesome life. But if you go this way, it's going to lead to destruction, but it's still your choice. Yeah, and it's funny to me because so many people, especially my generation, those who don't know the Bible or don't read the Bible or don't study the Bible, they think, well, God is so bad because he does this to you if you do that. It's like, no, that's the natural cause of that choice, of that action that you took. It's not God doing it because you did this. He said, no, that's just life. That's how we're designed. If we eat just sugar and sugar and the bad stuff all day, of course, you're going to feel bad. You're going to gain weight. You're not going to be able to be Mm -hmm. as mobile as you were before. That's just the natural um, cause of that. It's not God just doing it because he did it. He said, no, that's how it works. Yeah, those are, again, back to that. Those are just laws. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody jumped out of an airplane without a parachute and hit the ground and died, how can anybody blame God for killing that person? They gave themselves over to the law of gravity in a very negative way, by the way. And God just sat back there and went, what in the world are they doing? I know they know better. And see, see, that's the thing about, about what God, so many people will choose bad things, have bad things happen because of their choices, and then blame God. How does that even make sense? Again, I hate to say this again. I hate to keep coming back to this. But it comes back to just that ignorance and laziness that ignorance brings. Too lazy to really figure this stuff out and ask the right questions. And maybe pick up the Bible and read it, you know? Uh, anyways, Kat, that's why you're awesome. You're exceptional. And you're going to do great things. Because even at 18 years old, you know more than many people my age and even older. You know far more about the Word of God, God Himself, the things of God, and just how things really work. Mm-hmm. I would have to call you a realist. Thank you. You just look at things and go, even if I don't like it, it's just, it is what it is and let's deal with it. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe you should take, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, some, something from Cat and become a realist. Get your head out of fantasy land, if it's there, and just come down to planet Earth, see how things work. I'm not saying you have to like it, but it is what it is. If you want to change it, then work hard on changing it. But living in a fantasy to and, and just wanting and cutting everybody out of your life or spray painting on people's windows <laughs> when you disagree with 
what you feel is, is the way things should be is not the way to fix it. That's, that's the ultimate in laziness. That's the ultimate in cowardice. That's a, and just ignorance because you still don't know what we stand for. So, Kat, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start wrapping this up. Any closing thoughts? If you, ha- if you were standing in a room full of your peers, people say from I don't know, 16 to maybe 25, 1,000 people in the room, 10,000 people, it's a stadium. You're at a stadium. They gave you the mic, and you want to leave all of these people with some parting cat wisdom. What would you say to them? So much I want to say. Um, Where do I stop? Yeah. Um. See, ladies and gentlemen, I put her on the spot. <laughs> She's still freaking out about the hundreds of thousands of people that I put in her mind. <laughs> I would say take action on anything that you do. Take action. Um, like one thing specific that I want to say is just take God for his word. Just take God for his word, test it, see it, use it. I don't want to say experiment with it, but just see what it does, what it leads to you. If you feel like it doesn't work, um, I'm going to say you're doing something wrong, but just see the results of it. With everything you do in life, I feel like a lot of life is just test and trial. I was talking to another pastor the other day, and I was telling her, she's like, oh, like, welcome to adulting. And I'm like, I feel like that's just life, just so many trials and just seeing how you can work through it, how you walk through it. So I would just say, take the action, take God at his word. That's very, very, very good. Um, you know, a lot of people don't understand this because Kat, again, she just she touches upon things that are far beyond most 18-year-olds, uh, um, you know, what they think, how they think, what they've been trained in everything. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, I've I, I, I told you a long time ago, we'll bring the best. But there's a, there's a, the Bible talks about tithing. And I know there's a lot of people out there, oh, tithing. See, all the church wants is your money. Okay, God said to give 10%. If you don't, I'm not saying you're going to hell if you don't. It has nothing to do with it. But there comes a promise with this. And God promises great blessing to the person that gives up the 10%. And uh, great blessing. And he even, it's the only place in the Bible where God himself says, try me or test me in this. Test me in this. It's the only place where we're allowed to test God and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and bless you. And the reason I'm bringing that up, because ladies and gentlemen, I'm not after your money. Um, if you want to give, you can give, but give somewhere else. I'm not after your money. I'm making a point that what Kat was touching upon is absolutely true. The Word of God works when we work the Word of God. Too many people say, I'm going to try it. They try it for a week. And of course, a week, you don't try it in that sense. You live it. You walk it out. And the blessings start coming into your life. They just start pouring into your life. And when I say blessing, does, I'm not saying you're going to walk outside and find a new car. I don't Maybe you will. But the peace of mind, the peace of heart, so many people in our culture of all ages, but especially young, young people, are suicidal, have had thoughts of suicide, plans. There's some people they have found that have actually written suicide notes and carry it with them just for that day when they have enough courage to actually do it. They've already got the note made out or it's already on their computer or whatever. When you come to Christ and truly come to Christ, you put his word into action. Those types of things dissolve and go away. And you have a sense of peace, sense of joy, sense of righteousness. 
And God changes you from the inside out and the blessings come. So those are the biggest to me, biggest blessing. You know, a lot of, we're dealing in a, with an age with a lot of uh, mental illness and stress and depression. And God comes in and settles the issue once and for all completely. As a matter of fact, uh, Kat just a little while ago attested to that. Mm-hmm. So, Kat, I do appreciate you coming on because you said some things speaking to and from your generation that I could never really put my finger on, even though I agree with it 100%, but mm-hmm. just because I'm not out there, I'm not hanging out with a bunch of 18-year-old, 20-year-olds and everything, so I don't know the pulse. Mm-hmm. You know the pulse. Mm-hmm. And it's spectacular because it's like you have the wisdom of the ages, but with the heartbeat and everything else to be able to take that wisdom into your generation and still be young, be youthful, be fun, enjoy life, dance at parties, um, go to school. So you're doing a spectacular job. Thank you. You're a well, well-rounded person in all, every way. So ladies and gentlemen, everybody, say bye, cat. Bye, cat. <laughs> Thank you again for being on here with me. I know it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Yes, it will. It will. Believe in it. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a fantastic day. Thank you, A-Rob and everybody. You guys go take action and blessings to everybody. Amen. You got that right. Thank you again for joining us at Table Flippers. Please check out our merchandise. We have hats, hoodies, water bottles, all kinds of cool things. You can find all of our merchandise at tableflippers.com. That's tableflippers.com. And please write me. Please let me know how I'm doing. Write me at gwccrobert. That's one word, gwccrobert at gmail.com. Give me the good letters. Give me the bad letters. Tell me the great things I'm doing. Tell me the bad things I'm doing. I want to hear it all. Have a great day. Table Flippers is flipping awesome. (laughs) 